0: I want to begin by asking you a question, and you're going to think this is a strange question, but I promise you we're going somewhere. How many of us have heard of geocaching? Let me just see a show of hands if you have heard of geocaching. Fascinating. Okay, now let me ask you another question. How many of us have ever done Geocaching. Let me see a show of hands. Can we bring up the lights a little bit? I want to see. Keep your hands up if you have geocached before. That's fascinating. we got a lot more cool people in this service than we did at the 915. That's interesting. Now, geocaching is a really interesting thing. Now, before I continue, let me ask you another question. How many of you would admit, or not necessarily admit, but you would just acknowledge you are a nerd? Can I just see a show of hands? If you're a nerd, raise your hand. That's awesome. I am. Some of you are lying because your hand's not in the air. I know you, but that's okay. I'm a nerd. I'm, I'm definitely a nerd. I, I do. I do. How many of y'all ever do Wordle in the morning, like you, you play the little word game on your, on your phone or something like that? You're a nerd. You should have had your phone in the air. Hand in the air, hand in the air. Nerd is not necessarily a bad thing. If you geocache you, you take nerd to a whole nother level. And now I mean that as a direct compliment. I, I mean this when I tell you, I am a nerd guy. I, I'm, a word, I'm a word nerd. I've told you all that before. I, I, I kind of geek out on language and words and that kind of thing. Let me just, let me bring everybody up to speed. And I promise you this is going somewhere, I promise. But this is what geocaching, I looked this up, it's on the internet, so you know it was true. Here's what geocaching is. And by the way, when we say geocache, it's C-A-C-H-E, not geocache like geo money. Geo as in world, cash, cash like something that is tucked away somewhere. A geocacher will place a waterproof container containing a logbook, often also a pen and or pencil, and trade items, or what they call trackables. Then record the cache's coordinates. These coordinates along with other details of the location, are posted on a listing site. Other geocachers obtain the coordinates from that listing site and seek out the cache using their handheld GPS receivers. They used to do it with a compass. Now we use handheld GPS. The finding geocachers record, I love this. This is the best. Watch this word. The finding geocachers reco- record their exploits in the logbook and online. These are exploits. If you find something, it's an exploit. It's an adventure. But then must return the cache to the same coordinates so that other geocachers may find it. Geocachers are free to take objects, except the logbook, pencil, or stamp, from the cache in exchange for leaving something of similar or higher value. Now, some of you are thinking, that does sound really, really cool. And if you think that sounds cool, you made A's in math. That's okay. Geocaching is a very, very real thing. It's, it's got a whole, whole subculture of people out there who travel, who go to geocaching conventions. They geocache, they take their handheld GPS or their phone and they find these locations and coordinates on the map and go and find stuff that's there and go, oh, we found it. Yeah, we did. And it's really, really cool. I told you that to tell you this. This year, as we begin a new year together, it is imperative that we remember where we're going. It's imperative that we remember that we know where we're going personally in our relationship with God, that we understand God has got something ahead of us. God is always preparing us for what he has prepared for us. So everything that has ever happened in your life, let's take your life as a timeline going back that way. Everything that has ever happened has been in God's economy preparation for everything that will happen. He wants to use everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly from your past to set you up for what will be. We know that God says he promises to make all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So everything that has ever been before has been preparing us for what God has already prepared for us. And so we understand that, but as we start a new year, We have to decide that we are going to run the right race. It's one thing to run hard, but what if you're running in the wrong direction really fast? What if you climb the ladder of success only to find out that it's been leaning against the wrong wall all along? God says, "I want you to run the race marked out for you." And what is true for us individually is also true for us collectively, what we would say corporately, using the word corporate as a body. That's what the church is. We are the body of Christ. I want you to turn to your neighbor and with new your passion and enthusiasm in your heart and your voice, Tell him, you are the church. That was good. Y'all say an enthusiast. Y'all, you know what? Y'all just smoked the 915 crowd. If you see anybody, you can tell them later on. Now, you've had longer to be caffeinated, so it's a little bit of an unfair advantage, but you did better than they did. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. Christmas time, we celebrate the incarnation. The fact that the word became flesh. Jesus left heaven and came to earth and put on human form. He became humanity, maintaining all of his divinity at the same time. That's the incarnation. But watch this. He calls his followers, people who go by the name Christian, people who have personally and definitively placed their faith in him for the forgiveness of their sins, we are called the body of Christ. We are called to live incarnationally. We are called to live out the purposes of God. We are called to live in and live out the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. And so while we are not here to geocache, as we move into a new year, I want to challenge you all year long to theocache. I, I want to challenge you to find those things that God has placed along the way to show you that you're moving in the right direction, to show you that you're running the right direction. Race. When we talk about the church, there is, of course, the church universal, the entire body of Christ, everyone who has ever chosen to follow Christ. And there are certain universals that every church everywhere ought to be doing, that we are called to do. But it's also true that God calls individual churches, specific churches, to specific manifestations of his will, to specifically follow a calling that he has given them. Now, Lake Hills Church, ever since the very beginning of our existence in 1997, we have known what our purpose, what our mission, our calling has been, and it has never wavered. The purpose of Lake Hills Church is, of course, to grow the community of Christ one life at a time. That's that's why we exist as a church body. That's why we get up in the morning is to grow the community of Christ one life at a time. But within that, there is always the opportunity for us to sense God moving, leading, changing what that looks like, how it looks on the way to fulfilling that mission, that calling that never changes. And so today I want to give you three waypoints, if you will, coordinates for theocaching. If you're a part of the Lake Hills Church family, these are three coordinates by which we will guide our year. This, This is how we know if we're all rowing in the same direction, if we're all running the right race, if we're all on the same page. But you'll find also that these three things, these three Theocaching waypoints apply to every single follower of Christ. Every single one. And so I want to challenge you, I want to encourage you, because here's what will happen at some point. Today is January the 7th, right? If it hasn't happened already, at some point this year, you will wonder am I moving in the right direction? I mean, am I really and truly chasing the stuff that matters, or am I just on a treadmill. Do I, have you ever felt like you're living life on a hamster wheel? Has anybody ever felt like you've, you've been on a hamster wheel before? I've done that. that. That happens for preachers. There are times when I wake up on, you know, at the end of the week, I'm like, oh man, Sunday's coming. Here, here's something you need to know for your pastor's sake Sunday is relentless. We started the church in 1997. There has not been one single week in 27 years that didn't have a Sunday. And that meant somebody was expecting a sermon somewhere. Now, here's the good news. I love what I get to do. Last week when I took the week off and we had that guest preacher come in from wherever, that, first of all, it it was nice. Really, truly, the best part of taking a Sunday off is Friday and Saturday. I start working on the sermon on Monday, but Friday and Saturday, the fuse is getting shorter. You know what I'm saying? But last week, I woke up on Saturday morning. Last week, I woke up on Sunday morning. It was great, but it was weird. Like when I'm not waking up on Sunday morning full of adrenaline, that's before my first cup of coffee. But I love, I love what I get to do. I love waking up with that nervous energy. I love the adrenaline. I love the possibilities of what happens every single time we gather together. Every single time somebody walks in these doors for the first. You know that every week is somebody's first week? Every time. I love that. I love the pressure. Give me the rock. I I love it because this is what God has called me to. I know that. These waypoints that we're gonna talk about are are universal, they're there for every single one of us. So, I want us to work through this together. Every single word of our purpose statement, our, our mission statement as a church, every single word was seriously thought through, prayed through, talked through, worked through, Prayed through some more. Every single word of it. I want you to understand that every single word of that purpose statement was also sifted through the screen of Scripture. Every single word of who we are and what we do lines up with God's Word, with what God has given us as a gift in Scripture. And so we, we come back to Scripture, man. We, we we lean on that. Here's something I didn't know 27 years ago. We started with a commitment to Scripture, but what I didn't realize then as a pastor or as a person is that a commitment to Scripture is actually simpler than a non-commitment to Scripture. When you choose to believe the Bible from Genesis to maps, it helps you start to understand that God has given us his word, his truth as a gift. It doesn't become incumbent upon me to decide what part is true or isn't true. I'm going to accept that, reject that. And then you start cherry picking and you start trying to decide. And how do you decide that? Unless you come back to the reality that all scripture is God-breathed, God-inspired. Yes, he inspired flawed human beings like you and me to write it down, but ultimately the source is perfect the source God himself is true And so we come back to that over and over and over again. Three waypoints for Theocaching. Number one go. everybody just say go. 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 Whatever you do as a follower of Christ, you and I are called to go. Now Jesus had, an earthly ministry of about three years. We know, of course, that he was born in Bethlehem. He grew up in the home of Joseph and Mary. He had brothers. We assume he had sisters. And he grew up, but it wasn't until he was about 30 years old that his earthly ministry began. It lasted for about three years before he went to the cross, before the cross, and the ultimate end game of his earthly ministry, which was the resurrection. But after the resurrection, after he bodily rose from the dead on the third day, the Bible tells us that Jesus was alive for 40 more days and appeared to over 500 eyewitnesses, at the conclusion of which he returned to heaven. But just before he returned to heaven, he uttered, he issued what has become known as the great Commission, the Great Commission. What he commissioned his followers to do after he had left Earth bodily and physically. Look at what it says. And again, I want you to read the highlighted words with me as they come up on the screen. Okay, Matthew chapter twenty-eight, verses seventeen through twenty. Now, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Don't you love that the Bible includes that part? Anybody ever doubt? Anything about God ever? A lot of y'all. Wow. Okay, I have. You cannot have faith without doubt. That they go hand in glove. If you if you don't have any doubt, that's called certainty. I don't have I don't have faith that two plus two equals four. That that's. I'm a communications major. I can tell you that's four. But but. Doubt. They doubted him. But then Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Read it with me. Go. Let's do that again, shall we? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Are y'all reading? Okay. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go! Whatever you think being a Christian entails, whatever you think it means to follow Christ, you know it includes go. Go! If you're a follower of Christ, you have the opportunity, you have the privilege, you have the responsibility to be going and telling other people about Christ. But there's a really, really important thing to understand. There is a verbal nuance in the original language, the, the Koine Greek that the New Testament was written in, and this nuance doesn't make it into almost any English translation. That word go in the original Greek is more accurately translated as you are going. So as you are living, as you are working, as you are parenting, as you are studying, as you are working out, as you are grieving, as you are celebrating, as you are whatever you do, everything you do is an opportunity to point people to Jesus Christ. You know, last week on Monday night, I was with some very, very close friends. I had the opportunity to watch a very, very important football game. It left me very, very sad. Speaking, of course, of UT playing Washington. Now, these are close friends of ours. And not only am I a friend with them, I am their pastor. And there were a couple of moments in the game where I was really upset. (laughs) Things were not going the way that I wanted them to go. And I had to remind myself, Mac, you're a Christian. Cheer like it. Mac, you're a Christian. Be disappointed like it. Mac, you're these people's pastor. Don't teach them any new words. As you are going, as you are going, now, now some of you are thinking, God, if I had to talk to somebody and tell them what it means to be a Christian tomorrow, like you're all, you're kind of starting to throw up on your shoes a little bit right now. I understand that, but here's the good thing: there is a place to begin, and as a matter of fact, this your church is going to give you a great opportunity next weekend. We're kicking off a series called Intro to Jesus. It doesn't get any easier than that. Intro to Jesus. We're going to do a deep dive in the book of John and look at what the Bible reveals about who Jesus is, what he does, what it means that he loves us perfectly and unconditionally. And you know somebody who doesn't yet know anything about Jesus. If you invite them to church here, I promise you they will encounter Christ. I promise you, you will begin the process of going. Just invite somebody. Tell them to come along. Hey, our church is starting this thing called Intro to Jesus. We're going to be looking at the book of John. It's I don't know. Music great. But come on. This is where it starts. But I got to warn you about something. If you decide this year to Theo Cash and go, just just understand something. You will then begin to do the very next theocaching waypoint, and that is that you will grow. You have to grow spiritually. You have to advance. You have to develop. And if you are going, you will, in fact, be growing. And by the way, if you ain't going, you ain't growing. See, a lot of times we think that growing means we go to Bible study, we listen to podcasts, we check this sermon out, that sermon out. Those things are fine as far as they go. But that doesn't mean that you're growing because you've taken in more information. The way that you know you are growing is that you are experiencing transformation. Your life looks different. You think differently. You speak differently. You resemble more closely Jesus himself. So yes, we go, but man, we got to also grow in Ephesians chapter 4 the apostle paul is explaining to this fledgling con- congregation there in Ephesus how this faith thing plays out what it looks like and he's he's also talking about the church he's explaining the different offices and, and positions that god calls people to and why he calls them to that position look at Ephesians chapter 4 the bible says so and again Read the highlighted words with me, okay? Let's, let's, we're all in this together. So Christ himself gave the apostles, those are people who plant churches. He gave the prophets, people who preach. The evangelists, people who tell the good news. Pastors, shepherds. And teachers, teachers teach. To equip his people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then, watch this, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth. In love, we will grow to become in every respect. What? The mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. You know you are maturing by the fruit that you're producing. You you know that you're growing, not because you signed up for another, another Bible study or group, which hopefully and prayerfully, those are vehicles to growth, but they are not the object of growth. Growing means you're, you're maturing, you're developing. Think about, you know, when, when we had kids, I remember when Emily and Joe were little toddlers around the household, and we did stuff for them. We You know, when they were really little, we'd feed them. But when they got to be 12, it was too late. They, they needed to be feeding themselves. feeding the, That's maturity. It's when you can feed yourself and other people. That's maturity. That's, that's growth. That's, that's development. You see, a lot of times, instead of theocaching, we go to theostashing. We take in, we take in, we take in, we take in. Information, information, podcast, podcast, sermon, sermon, this church, that church, blah, 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 blah. but we're not doing anything with it. Why did, why did God give all of those people in the church to equip his people for works of service. One of the things that we have discovered over the years is that people are more fulfilled spiritually when they serve. There are some other things that you can do. Again, please understand, Bible study is so important. Bible ingesting and metabolizing is so important but you metabolize something for energy. You use energy for work, works of service. You're growing. You're not just stashing and hoarding for yourself. No, 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 no. You're, you're theocaching. Theocaching is, is when God leaves certain coordinates certain things for other people to find and experience, but then also they leave for other people, or they leave something of more value. Every time God blesses you, every time God blesses me, it's, whoa, God, thank you. But he wants to bless other people through that. I think about about the greatest earthly blessing I've ever known is my wife, Julie. She's a ridiculous blessing. And I cannot believe to this day that she said yes and she has stayed for 32 years. Blows my mind. But what I wasn't smart enough to know before is the number of ways and the number of people that God will use our marriage to bless other people, to to, to hopefully and prayerfully bless, first of all, our kids. Hopefully, Emily and Joe and then Allie and Sylvie came up in our household and they saw Oh, wait, it is possible to actually enjoy each other. Okay, I, that's, what, that's one thing I want to do. And oh, wow, okay, they, they seem to, like, Julie's always kissing on Mac, and I mean, it's just like annoying, but apparently that's kind of cool. And so they, they want that now in their lives. But that's how God operates. When he, when he blesses us, he wants us to bless other people with the blessings we have received. It always spills out. So so we go, we grow, and then number three, we give. We give. I'm talking about the tithe. Somebody shout amen. Come on. That's what I thought. Okay, good. Here's what God said. I'm not going to spend a long time on this, but I am going to hit this because it's too important. Malachi chapter 3 The Bible says, God is speaking through the prophet Malachi. He says, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? God says, in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Read it with me. Bring the whole tithe, 10%, into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. I love you too much to rob you of the blessing that God promises with the tithe. This is what the Bible teaches. This is what we teach. After that, it's between you and God. I'm just telling you. I'm now 57 years old. I have been in ministry for well over 35 years. I started ministry when Moses was a baby. I have never... Heard of, never heard of, nor much less met someone who is a follower of Christ, who tithes, who regretted it or resented it. Not one time. Every person I know who tithes as an expression of their faith celebrates it. When we tithe, God does something in that that doesn't happen any other way. And look at what he said there. He said, I will throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you won't have room enough to keep it. Now, I know, if you've never done this before, if, if, if for you, the concept of a tithe, and you think 10%, so if you make $100 this year, you bring 10% where you worship. That's the tithe. If you make $10, you bring $1. That's the tithe. Now, some people will ask this question, and it's a good question, by the way. I'm not not in any way making light of it. Do you tithe on the gross or the net, pre-tax or post-tax? Great question, isn't it? I've got a great answer for you. Do you want the gross blessing or do you want the net blessing? That's how you answer that question. It is. Now, God promises to bless us. Let me just show you five, five blessings of the compound interest of the tithe. The compound interest of the tithe. First of all is worship. When we tithe, it is worship to God. It is God, you are my provider. You have given me the ability to earn wages. You have put me in a position for my grandmother to give me $25 for Christmas, whatever it might be. God, this is from you, from your hand. I worship you as my provider. Number two, it gives us humility. When we tithe, there's a humility that comes with that that goes, you know what? I don't deserve anything. This is from the hand of God who owes me nothing. Humility is a good thing. Worship is a good thing. When we worship, man, when we were singing earlier today, we were worshiping that song, How Great Thou Art, Take you to the throne room, Jack. I mean, I, I, worship is good for the worshiper. God is the worship e. He deserves our glory, our honor, our praise. But there's something that happens in us when we worship that is healthy and good for us. It worships Him, but it also brings humility to our lives. Number three, the tithe gives us unity. We're united by the tithe. When I know that you are, and I don't know that you are, but because we just assume we do this together, then we're united. I'm not expecting you to cover my tab. You're not expecting me to cover your tab. We're all in it to win it together. Unity. There is security in the tithe. Look at this promise of God. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and your vines will not drop their fruit before they are ripe. God says, if you trust me with the tithe, I promise to protect the provision that I give you. I'm not telling you you'll never have a problem, but I'm telling you your needs will always, always be met. There's a security that God promises with the tithe. And then, number five, there's a testimony. There's a testimony that comes with this. When you experience the compound interest of the tithe and the blessings that God promises, then then you have a testimony. What did He say? All nations will call you blessed. Yours will be a delightful land. Yours will be a delightful home. All of these things happen within the context of the spiritual skill and discipline of the tithe. So we go, we grow, we give. These are our waypoints. These are our coordinates We're checking throughout this year, how am I doing? Am I really moving toward what God has created me for? Am I really moving toward what he's calling me to, what he's calling me as a part of my church to? We're theocaching. We're theocaching not just on January the 7th, not just at the end of the year when we look back, but every single day. Every single day is an opportunity to go with God. Every single day is an opportunity to grow with God. Every single day is an opportunity to give, to to have a generous spirit and heart that begins with the tithe. You know, Paul makes a very, very strong statement in Ephesians chapter 4. He says we want to achieve maturity. We want to attain the fullness of Christ so that we're not tossed around by every wind of new teaching, by, by all of the comings and goings and fads and fashions of the world. We, we want to we mature. We want to develop. But then he says something so powerfully encouraging. Look at Ephesians 4.16. And again, I want you to read the highlighted words with me when we get there. The Word of God says, From him, Jesus, The whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Builds itself up in love. That's our calling, that's our reason for existing as a church. When we talk about growing the community of Christ one life at a time, it is that double-edged sword. It is growing numerically as we are going and we're sharing and leading people to Christ. Collectively, this this is what we do. But it's also growing spiritually and personally as we make loving God, knowing Jesus, following Jesus the center of our lives every day that's how, that's how you grow that, that's how you develop and mature that's how you that, that's how you start 2025 better than you're starting 2024 and it's just day by day by day you know what I think is really important Theocaching is not complicated we, we would all agree that life, can get plenty complicated, but theocaching is not complicated. It's not easy, but it's not complicated. It's, it's very straightforward. You just decide. I'll go. I'll go. And you decide, I, I'll, I'll grow. And you decide, I'll I'll give. I'll trust what God says. He actually promises to back it up. It's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. I want to ask you if you will bow your heads for just a moment. And today we're going to end a little differently than we normally do. I want to ask you as you remain with your heads bowed for just a moment, if you would stand to your feet just stand in a spirit of prayer. And I want us to pray as we go out from this place today that we would go out from here committed to theocaching, committed to being the man or the woman, the church that God has created and called us to be. Let's pray together. Father, in this moment, We again worship you, you who came, who commissioned your son to live a sinless life, to die on the cross and to rise again from the dead. And now Jesus, we accept your great commission We pray that you would go with us from this place that throughout this week and everything that we do and everywhere that we go, we would be your church. We would be your hands and your feet. And Father, we pray especially for those folks that we will invite to come back next week to, to be a part of what you are doing in this world, to be a part of your perfect love to be a part of your family. God, we give this time to you. We give ourselves to you in the name that is above every name, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Have a great week and God bless you.